Let's face yeah. the music. Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we're simplifying the good life. I'm Guthrie Straw. And I'm Aaron Flores, broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, trains and transit, adventures and life hacks, and today, Tanya wins Cranksgiving. Woohoo! <laughs> I was so Did excited. Did I win Cranksgiving though? <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I no. think so. Because what, what you're on? here right now. <laughs> exactly. Um, I was team potholes. Yes. And we, I don't know if you remember, but with we were wearing leaves. all black with actual cannabis leaves. Oh. All of our outfits. Yeah. Actual cannabis leaves? Uh, Unfortunately, no. Oh, okay. Felt. O- only felt only somewhat in Portland. <laughs> Artistic representation. Yes, exactly. Cannabis leaves. Yes. Yeah. And, and who's our guest joining us as well? This is Brad Nelson, also <laughs> in the studio this evening. That was a weird introduction. Hi, Brad. <laughs> Welcome. Hi, everyone. I feel like we've already just kind of like settled into chatting, so I just jumped the gun. Brad is also here in the studio with us. <laughs> this is great. Um, thank you both for joining us. It's been a little while. We we got slightly delayed there. It's true. But yeah. you are you are better. Strep throat. Yeah. Oh. So bless- apparently, adults can get that. Who knew? Was it was it everything you imagined from childhood? I don't even think I had strep throat as a child, so Lucky. all I know is I couldn't swallow at all. Yeah. It was it was brutal. Yikes! How long yeah. how long did it put you out for? Uh, four or five days. Okay. Yeah. Were you, uh, or or was there a bunch of? I say I I also have never had strep throat myself. What? I'm, really? I'm waiting for it. So Who that, are you people? I think I think we Don't missed our it. chance. I I have three weeks ago we missed our chance as an adult. I get it like awful. at least once every two or three years. Really? Oh really? Oh yeah. Is it a thing that you're more likely to get it after the first time, or, or sort of like Raynaud's, where once once your fingers are are frozen pieces of wood, uh, you're more likely to continue <laughs> to have that happen or something? I don't think so, because it's a bacteria, is it not? I have no idea. I should know, but I don't. I, I don't. I'm sorry. I do believe it's a bacteria. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Do so, you ha- I don't know. Maybe you guys are just like, you know, <laughs> strong freaks of nature with like, you know, or just antibacterial like blood. Statistically slightly luckier freaks. Of- I feel like I'm going <laughs> to get it at some point in time. Well, now that you've talked about it. Of yeah. course. Sure. Yeah. There's yeah. no wood to knock on in a aluminum airstream, but I will improvise <laughs> on our sand panel behind us uh, for those that believe in knocking on wood. <laughs> Um, yeah, no sickness, unfortunately, but you're back and you're feeling better. Yes. Yay. Yeah, never been better. Thank you. Antibiotics or something and probiotics <laughs> also. Excellent. Good stuff. They yeah. got the full regimen there. Yes. Yeah. Um, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Tanya, tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, what brought you here to the studio today? Sure. Um, well, specifically, I guess. Being involved with Cranksgiving, I love doing those sort of fun community events that in particular are for a charity. So Cranksgiving has always been something that I've had a blast doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have always donated to the event with a bag of wine, which apparently is cool enough to 
um, make it so that I won a session with you guys here. Yes, so good enough for exciting. us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, what possessed you? Well, possessed. That was a terrible strep throat. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> what made you decide on a bag of wine every year? Um. So I actually lived in Australia for a year, and while I was there, they had this game that's very well known in Australia called Goon Bag, where in Australia they don't have dryers, which like washer and dryer, like, they have they don't have dryers really? for clothing. <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. It's a European huh. thing as well. Um so anyways, on the clothes dryers that they put outside, people will hang bags of wine and you slap the bag of wine. Is that where the, that saying came from? Yes. Interesting. Yes. And okay. so whoever it lands on, sort of like a game of Twister, you end up having to take a chug of the bag oh, of wow. wine or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so that's kind of where the bag of wine, <laughs> I don't want to say obsession, but <laughs> thinking that that was a funny gag gift okay. sort of came from. So, yeah. Have you ever slapped a bag of wine, Brad? <laughs> I can't recall that I've ever slapped a bag of wine. How how about a bottle? I can't recall that either. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, It'd be I have... a little hard to hang from a uh, clothesline. This a is bottle true. Of wine. I, I'll bet you there's some, some no, MacGyverish folks out there. <laughs> I, I am feeling, you know, for those clothespins holding up a full bag of <laughs> wine, those... Several That's, clothespins. Yeah, yeah several, several clothespins. Yeah, it's not, and you know the like, type of uh, clothes dryer I'm talking about, right? It's the spinny. Oh, like the line. Yeah. The yes. Yeah. Yes. It's not. It's, it's not, not a. a line. Stri- it's not a line that stretched the across the yard, but it's yeah. just like a, like a freestanding an umbrella. Yeah, exactly. pole. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, an umbrella fitted out for yes. drying clothes. So this is a game in Australia that people play. Okay. It's an actual <laughs> thing. Ah. Yeah. I've I've had encounters with this phenomenon, but yeah. never a true encounter because my my previous ones have consisted and this is why i never really understood where the term came from yeah uh was people just holding up a bag of wine and telling me to slap it yes uh, like tour de francia is this uh you- no it was okay. i was a ways back okay. um I, I think it's like <laughs> 2011 or so i'm recalling this particular incident but okay. definitely uh did not know about the wine slapping phenomenon <laughs> it's a thing i swear to you I'm going to go home and give yeah. it a try. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to go put a clothesline up in our yard. Now. Yeah. <laughs> I've got the clothesline part figured out. Well, it's I guess it's more of a, yes, the line part, not the, the clothes apparatus. But yeah. Uh, right. yeah. we, sh- we should bring it back into our nice, sunny, and always dry Portland. Uh-huh. I'm, sure, yeah. I'm sure it would pick <laughs> up. Yes. Sunny and dry and warm. Indeed. Yeah. All year round. Yeah. All year round. <laughs> As, Saving energy. Hey, today yeah. you wouldn't even have to worry about it because your clothes would just freeze. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, Brad, it's, <laughs> it's it's a bit cold uh, here in Portland. Finally, yeah. how have you guys been getting around? By the way, uh, I mean, it it really hasn't been that icy or snowy. No. I don't feel like it's been anything. I mean, it was bad. snowy uh, this yeah. morning. It was a little icy. I saw yeah. several bikers braving a bit of yeah. mm-hmm. some of that yeah. intermittent ice, but it wasn't. The worst weather we've had here, certainly yeah. not comparable to last year, which yes. was yeah. far or worse, even, far more consistently. Yeah, or even over Christmas where it like yeah. just was a layer yeah. of ice over yeah. everything. Thicker gloves. Got it. Mm-hmm. Good gloves, good hat. Yeah. Little wits about you. Yeah. You can get where you need to go. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I was uh, a bit concerned this morning because I headed into work 
earlier than I typically do. Um, so Jane starts off at about 8 a.m. So we were out at the house at about 7. And we did see a couple of riders fall, unfortunately. Oh, no. Yeah. Really? And, and guess oh, no. what uh, piece of infrastructure they happened to fall while riding over? Let me... Th- wait. Oh. Manhole cover? Ooh, that would be a good one. Oh. I'll give you a hint. They're Cheryl? big and they go over rivers. <laughs> Bridges? Oh, yeah. Wait, what? It was the Broadway Bridge. Oh, oh no. And and I know they have the signs or you're supposed to supposed to be extra careful, but um apparently extra careful wasn't careful enough. Right. So I don't think there's any signs that say bridges freeze before road to remind people that not over the Broadway bridge it's true yeah that's true Uh, I guess I've seen it over um some more like county bridges or so that you'll see scattered around the area um but yeah fortunately they were able to pick themselves back up that's good uh they were very happy that their panniers were padded out on both sides because the bike took the majority of the hit for them um but yeah just that reminder there that things uh can go a little bit south if you happen to not have studs or uh Good bridge crossings yeah. for that or, regard. A reminder yeah. for physics, the air is colder than the ground. It's yeah. so true. Yeah. But I always forget it in the worst of moments. <laughs> I was tempting, or yeah, I was debating, I guess, over whether or not to bring the fat bike out. Did you? I did not. No. Um, when was the last time you got the fat bike out? That's a good question. Um, I think just shortly after, well... Yeah, just shortly after it snowed the first time around, okay. like right before Christmas, I yeah. got it out yeah, yeah. and was riding it around, um, and then I kept it out for a while. I think that was the last time. Yeah, so maybe around New Year's. Okay, so it's it's not been in storage too long. Oh no, 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 hmm. and it's gonna come out once you know things dry up a little bit because mm-hmm. I don't have any fenders for it. Oh yeah, good point. Definitely, we um, yeah, I guess I've always been. 26 by 1.5, day in, day out. Oh, yeah. Rolling through the ice. <laughs> <laughs> it works, but you have to use the tripod method. The, uh, the tripod road bike. Method? Well, yeah, you got to keep a foot the... down occasionally. Yep. Oh, yeah. yep. okay. I was yeah. Like, what is the tripod <laughs> yeah. method? Oh. What is this phenomenon? Three points of contact. You oh, betcha. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the tripod method was how I survived a similar crash on the Broadway Bridge this morning. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, It was it was pretty slick. Uh, so I like to brace my like inner thigh of, you know, whichever side I, I like to lean. Um, so you sort of have like four points of contact almost. You're bracing against the bike and then whichever foot you feel comfortable putting down. Uh, and the trick is just to only use your back brake and go as slow as you feel like you can go and still be going forward. But uh, yeah, have you have you been a successful user of the tripod method, Brad? I I have. Uh, I not so much in ice. Okay. I have a small benefit that um, my apartment and my office and other places are all walkable. So ah, when it yes. gets ridiculously bad here in Portland and there's that two inches of ice on the ground, I can walk everywhere. But when having to brave some biking in, I've definitely put put the foot down. Yeah, and or you know slow down immensely oh, yeah. mm-hmm. like that doesn't that does not look like it's going to hold me up yeah <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't get i'd say we didn't get a full introduction to brad on the show as well before we get too much further tell us a bit about <laughs> yeah. yourself brad so my name's brad i uh Hello. live here in portland uh i'm originally from connecticut moved here about 12 years ago and have really loved a lot of parts of portland i currently own uh an event production company called axiom event productions and we produce a lot of cycling running and outdoor events i also really enjoy the contemporary arts and am on the board of distracta 
okay. Contemporary Arts Center. Nice. And otherwise, I'm also yeah. just kind of a big nerd and like sci-fi and you know, <laughs> awesome. hanging outdoors. You're, you're in good company. Um, Axiom put on the worst day of the year ride, which just happened. We did, and yes. that was thankfully last week, where it wasn't. Where it was like one of the best days. Or ice, yeah. so and it was about fifty-five degrees and sunny. You guys had a day. great turnout. Yeah, we had a really good turnout. Uh, Almost double. From really? Last year. What oh, were the numbers? That's amazing. Definitely record uh, year for the last couple of years. It's okay. about 1,400 people, including wow. all riders and volunteers and everyone. Yeah, it was yeah. an awesome day. It was a really fun really, day. Really good. So we're really. really and we added that. grilled cheese to the finish line in addition oh, yeah? to soup. So yeah. Was the uh, Franz truck out there? wasn't oh, but but you guys did it yourself <laughs> but then. we did it ourselves, all right yeah. awesome yeah we cooked it ourselves it was all friends br- bread, bread. Yeah. uh their truck couldn't be here or else they would have also been yeah. helping yeah. us cook everything but for that many people uh they need a little help to get sure. that many sandwiches made but it was a really fun day and we're really blessed to have such great weather mm-hmm. and it was i mean how can you complain about riding and in the winter mm-hmm. on such a nice day right? with yeah. that many other people. It got up, it was almost like 60 degrees on that day. It felt yeah. kind of insane. Yeah, it felt warm mm-hmm. yeah. for sure. Needed yeah. sunglasses, it was nice. Yeah. It, it felt almost like it wouldn't ever again be 32 degrees in this studio. <laughs> but we were too <laughs> early. <Yes. laughs> Do we have the fan or the uh, heater going on? Yeah. Oh, we upgraded our heater. Oh, that's why there's no loud noise in the back room. Yeah. That's cool. It's a fanless heater. It's more like a radiator style. Nice. Um, I'm nice and warm. It's really close to me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, you guys. It was all I could do not to wheel it next to my chair, in all honesty. I just, like, roll up and sit on them. (laughs) Pretty much. How's how's that whole 30 going, Aaron? Uh, I'm finally done. I've introduced everything, so now I can have whatever I want. And I got a cold, and I don't believe oh. the two are like um, separate. I think hmm. I don't think it's totally a coincidence that now that I'm eating stuff that you know aren't necessarily good for me, even in small amounts. Do you feel bread? That? I'm okay. looking at you, bread. Yeah, I was gonna say, what about sugar? How's reintroduction of sugar? I, I'm limiting that a lot. Okay, um, to the point where I. I'm at the grocery store and I'm still reading the labels. And if it's got mm-hmm. added sugar in it, um, mm. in any form, I won't mm-hmm. buy it. I'll try to find a similar product without it. That's um, kind of a nice compromise, though. Yeah, or like like because you were talking about working your way back into it. That that would be sort of a way to do so. Yeah. Yeah, and it was the thing that I missed the least. I would say. Mm-hmm. I mean, who doesn't like a donut? And I had one over the weekend. But uh, from where <laughs> Helen Bernard Bakery? It's over oh. on like Seventeenth and Broadway. Yeah, and Broadway. yeah. Yep. better it's, known for yeah. their cakes. Yes, are they? Yes, okay. but their donuts are classy. Can we? Ha- they like... are. Can we have a small discussion about the best donuts in Portland? Sure. <laughs> sure. Where's your Where's your donut? I'm uh my my favorite donut is delicious donuts. Yes. Those, those closed on Sundays. Closed on Sundays, unfortunately. Also, they close when they sell out. So, oh yeah, yeah, they sometimes. Which yeah, it happens. I've definitely been there at eleven in the morning, and they are closed. It's called Delicious Donuts. Delicious Donuts. Where is it at? They are located at uh, Burnside and MLK. Grand? MLK. Oh, yeah. Okay, like East Side. Or uh, excuse me, it is Grand next to the Plaid Pantry. Okay. Wow. I. 
great family Didn't even family run a donut place. It's there. a great family run yep. uh, donut shop, and they've mm-hmm. been doing it for well as long as I've been here. I don't know, maybe longer. Wow, and really just a excellent selection. That those would be my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those are also like classic donuts too. Like, yeah, nothing too pretentious. Like, I like Blue Star on an occasion, but they are kind of like the I don't know what you would call like the the made donut. <laughs> I would call it more of a it's like a pastry donut. There I I don't go me wrong. A uh, huge shout out to a lot of like the Blue Star, the Cocos, sure, um, Pips, mm-hmm. excellent. You know, they really do a great job. But there's just something about just a great. You know, either well, I mean, however, however you like your donut, just a little bit more simple and traditional. Yes, <laughs> Tanya, where's your donuts? Oh, you, you, go? you guys are gonna just hate my answer that <laughs> I have right now. You're gonna say food? Dare I say that I just like a Bismarck from Safeway? Is that really? Is that an awful thing to say? <laughs> I mean, that's that's your I that's your jam. Really go for it. I really don't care that much about the whole donut thing like i just don't care don't be a hater just be a donut eater if i i'll just go whatever whatever store new season safeway fred meyer Mm -hmm. just whatever one looks good or maybe i'll be enticed by beautiful sprinkles but i just i don't care i don't i really don't care about the hype which one is a bismarck Bismarck is a round chocolate thing with Bavarian cream on the inside. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Bavarian cream's all right. Yes, it is good. But honestly, Often known I as just care. vanilla pudding. <laughs> Barbarian! Cream well, there's a difference. Cream is fancy. <laughs> a Bavarian cream is slightly different than just people who make it with like vanilla pudding. Regardless, <laughs> I am not waiting in line. Like, there's just, I'm not waiting in line for Not anything. waiting in line Absolutely for donuts. Absolutely not. Thank you. I'll go to Safeway. Wait, just for donuts or like you're not anything, waiting in line for anything? anything. For anything. brunch? No, hmm. absolutely not. Which is why <laughs> I'm what, what's your, so what's your behind the scenes? Because every, everybody I've talked to has sort of like their personal, like, I guess I would say justifications or, or, or just like their mechanism for how they determine if they're a line person or they're not a I line I want to do a whole show. Like, let's just oh, let's forget easily. anything we're going to talk about right now. We're going to talk about I'll tell you, I'll, just the whole yes. show about waiting in line. We could have a show that was a list of places I still haven't gone to because they always have lines. <laughs> uh, I, I'll tell you my justification. I grew up in a small town, so it's I've never I never experienced... Well, several small towns, but I never experienced the line issue in anywhere that I grew up. So I I just want to go to a place, hopefully be served within 10 to 15 minutes, eat my food and be out of there. It's not it's not about an experience necessarily. I have <laughs> I sometimes personally can agree with that for sure, because I don't always want to wait for things. Right. You just. The, if, the I, if I'm going out to the, eat, the product doesn't to add eat. to it. However, as an event producer, <laughs> I also am sympathetic that I create lines for people to stand in sometimes or do because things happen or uh, there's a large influx of people all of a sudden and then you you have a line and you have to plan for that. And so that could be part of one's total experience and what mm. you're doing. And I don't think that's necessarily bad nor to be avoided, but can be part of how people interact with the event, create some anticipation, create mm-hmm. some, you know, the reward at the end is better because you had to wait for it a little bit or something so like the, that. The Maybe not at the porta potty line, but mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> at the treat line and everything. I've but, seen some pretty creative porta potty lines. Oh yeah. Have you? 
Tell, tell us about this creative so profiling I, lines. Have you ever seen this? There's like a YouTube phenomenon where they'll hide bands and other various like events within like a, a fake porta potty. And so, like, as what? you're waiting for a line, yeah, it's kind of like an improv. Skit. That's got to be the worst gig ever. <laughs> well, hopefully, it's the fake porta potty that has okay. no port like, in it. Like, it's I cleaned guess. out, and yeah, yeah, yeah okay. So okay. basically, it's like the front of a of a honey bucket or what have you. Sure. Okay. Um, except that there's like a jazz band hanging out in the back behind inside of like a inside of the closed in circle uh-huh. and so when you go to open the the lucky person who opens that one door all of a sudden a jazz band marches out le- blaring you know uh literally scaring the crap out of oh, them of course yeah. of course but i mean like just it, it, on the topic of lines like there are even ways to make waiting to go to the bathroom an exciting experience That's true. That's there true. is but i will also say that i think that if you're gonna wait in line for something for me personally now today, like we have two, we have so much convenience available to us or ways to not wait in line that mm-hmm. if you're going to wait in line, I, I want that to be a part of what you're, what you're doing. And that's mm-hmm. a part of the choice you make. I want to wait in line. I know I'm going to be waiting in line. Hmm. I'm going to make that a part of what I'm doing. And then I'm going to enjoy the thing I'm waiting for. So it's like a, there's a reward. There's a, you're, you're playing the, the, the long game. You're, you're someone who can wait for satisfaction instead of instantly gratification having instant gratification right and it shouldn't just be that like waiting in line is a is all equivalent to just you know queuing up at the dmv or the bank or something that or the post office or pick something else that everyone makes fun of for waiting in line for Mm. if you're going to wait in line make it make it fun make it part of you know i Back but in the day, like a jazz band, like a jazz band. Or <laughs> remember, uh, I mean, it used to be that part of waiting in line was the thing that you kind of had to do, so people made it more fun, like camping out for tickets for things back yep, when yep. you could only buy tickets in one place. Sure, where you had one, to go to the venue, to go to the the venue. which ideally yeah. we could move back to because tickets and scalping is just ridiculous these days. Right, but but I take that idea of saying, okay, if you're going to wait in line, let's make it part of an enjoyable mm-hmm. experience. And for me, in some places, so. If you're going to have portable toilets and people are like waiting for it, well, do something to make it more fun, not just a jazz band, but maybe if people just see that the line is moving, they're more willing to get into it or mm-hmm. help you like, hey, did you know there's, by the way, pro tip at events, if you see a line for porta potties, there's usually like a stack of porta potties like around the corner that no one's using. Yeah. yeah. You were going to say, Aaron? Um, so I, I'm wondering if. Um... Like not venues, but uh, restaurants, especially you know, rather than just sort of acknowledging that there's a line, if <clears throat> if managers or owners of restaurants could could somehow make, like you're saying, make the line part of the experience, acknowledge that you're gonna have to wait, but then also somehow uh, make that a part of the the experience of dining out. I know a lot of places will serve coffee while you're waiting mm-hmm. in line, um, you know, things like that. Yeah, I I feel like <laughs> I feel like even at Genie's, that's the restaurant that pops into my mind. You're able to order from the bar and then oh, hang yeah. out while you're waiting, things like that. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with Genie's because of the fact that you're, I can go you're in hanging out at the bar for a and while. I can hang yeah. out, order yep. a drink pretty yep. immediately, and then wait in quote unquote line for however long. That's okay. I'm not outside the door mm-hmm. waiting. Should event planners use the artificial creation of lines as a uh, metric Ooh. within the success of their event? Like, should you create lines just for the, <laughs> for the very purpose of hyping your event and, and, or, and or otherwise? 
feel like this is kind of a loaded question here. I don't know. Oh, it's more of a uh, a joke question. Oh, okay. <laughs> Looking at you, Brad. I mean, I guess I'm like partially serious, but you're you're partially serious, and I will tell you as that. someone who's also like planned events as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, there's a balance, right? You don't want to create so long of a line that it's um uh, a problem, or you're turning customers away, but you don't want to necessarily create the feeling of no demand, right? It's the old phenomenon of, mm-hmm. you know, nobody wants to go into a restaurant or a bar or like a club that is too full. Mm-hmm. But if it's also too empty, empty yep. yeah. they yep. don't want to go in either. Unless so you're me, then I definitely want to go. <laughs> Tanya's like, yep, I'm there. That's my place. So, so there's definitely a balance. And additionally, too, when you're thinking about events, sometimes, you know, you know a line will get created because you're going to have there's a bell curve to most parts of an event. And so you're going to plan for kind of the average. And there's just going to be a point where you have almost no line because you're planned for a mid range and then it's going to spike up and you're going to have a little bit of line mm-hmm. in that thick part of the bell curve. And then it's going to get back down to normal. And then whatever you're doing is ending. And so it'll, it'll, there'll be no line. So yeah, a line is part of, you have to plan for lines. They will happen. And sometimes it's part of the experience and you could do things as part of line, some people use that as an opportunity to inform their customers about things they need to do, uh, you know, better than like the TSA does. But like that's kind of the <laughs> idea, right? You mm-hmm. you tend to stand in line and they inform you 18 that's times true. that Have all your, your toiletries and your boarding no pass liquids, out. And yes. like, you know, there's 20 different things they're communicating to you. And in that time that you're turning people into a line, you can communicate to them about maybe a complexity about the event, like hey, do you want to maybe upgrade or get a different experience or do you want to be able to get like packages or Mm -hmm. maybe you need to sort people into um, different ways in which they have purchased packages or experience. So the line is part of that way Mm -hmm. to interact directly and indirectly with your customers. Interesting. That is an incredibly well thought out answer (laughs) to a very off the cuff question. (laughs) Well done. I stopped listening about 20 seconds. <laughs> uh, we're, we're over in like line talk world here. So I mentioned I, I'm a sci-fi nerd, but I can definitely nerd down on <laughs> event things. And an indiscriminate nerd of all, mm-hmm. all sorts. Uh, yes. It is my, the nerd part I didn't totally get into. So I will not talk about that nerding anymore on this podcast. That's all right. It's all good. Guthrie, we didn't. We didn't go over what your favorite donut place is. This is true. Or yours. Did we? Oh, well, Helen Bernard. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. oh that is. Okay. Yeah. You said you went to It's also like my spot. favorite. It's also favorite. Yeah, because it's like um, just a couple blocks from my house. Okay. But also that, really, really good fritters. I would say that proximity, like, it, hate as much on, or, as, or, or don't hate, I guess, on what I'm trying to say is... <laughs> proximity is a very important factor in oh, liking yeah. or disliking something like it's not bad if even if you don't like the taste as much to like really enjoy something that's closer per se and this not it isn't even the case with this one i'm saying oh, no. but um just generally like sometimes convenience really is what makes a place that place that you go to yeah oh totally so what was your favorite donut my favorite donut i, I feel like he's trying to skirt the issue here. uh-oh is it pink does it come in a box now just kidding um that's cool man that's your jam go ahead no i yeah, I, don't, yeah voodoo has great donuts don't just Coco because they're is cool also pink. oh, oh yeah, that's, that's true right. but that's voodoo right. also has great donuts and i don't want to just because they're not my favorite doesn't mean they don't do a great job with what they do i i actually i i'm not a huge donut person 
in regards to I don't have loyalty to oh, donuts. Yeah. I guess I would you'll say. just eat a donut. So what yeah, you're saying is you donut. like Safeway donuts. <laughs> I have eaten my fair share of Safeway donuts. <laughs> Haven't we all? So where I grew up, similar situation. Like there was no donut shop. There was yeah. donuts at Safeway. So I guess I had a very similar experience in that regard, at least growing up. And so I guess by possible nature of that, I I don't have any firm allegiances for or against any of the donut places in Portland. Wait, where did you grow up? Eastern Oregon. Okay. Yep. Okay. We, so I, I was Washougal, you know, across the river, mm-hmm. and then Seaside. Oh, yeah. So, you know, Safeway. Safeway is what you have. It, it unites you between yeah. locations. Yeah, it really does. That Dairy Queen also. Does Lots Dairy Queen Dairy have Queen. donuts? No, but oh, okay. I mean, small towns all have Dairy Queens true. and Safeways. Yeah. yeah. Think about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's true. Well, I grew up on Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Which are East Coast, yeah. Mediocrely good mm-hmm. donuts. I never understood the uh the draw for their coffee in all on it in mm. all honesty. Like I didn't think their coffee was all that great, but people really like there's like is a that, real a rabid loyalty to Dunkin' Donuts really? coffee. Yeah. That are we going to talk about coffee now? Sure, <laughs> why not? <laughs> We're like all over the place here. I'm enjoying no. the ride. Yeah. Um, we should talk about, we talked a little bit about worst day of the year rides. Um, and we're not necessarily going to like do a whole like axiom thing because uh, Ashley and, and Phil. Phil was on the show and they talked a little bit. But we should talk a little bit about like bike events and uh, what got you into promoting bike events. Yeah. Um I I grew up a runner and swimmer, and I've always really enjoyed athletic events. Um, I went to school for communications and somehow kind of fell into event coordination um, and was doing the whole wedding reunion, you know, that sort of thing that I didn't really enjoy. Um and realized that I kind of wanted to do something that I could make more of a lifestyle. So I actually, just on Craigslist, um, answered an ad for a company that was looking for someone to be an intern for um, biking events in Portland, which happened to be the same company that puts on the worst day of the year ride in Portland Century etc. A bunch of different running and cycling events. Mm-hmm. And I started doing um, customer service and permitting for those events and then kind of just stuck with the company and ended up learning the ropes all around and have been doing those sort of events for almost six years now. Wow. Yeah. It's very exciting. So you've got a pretty like long perspective all things considered on that for for both parties actually yeah yeah well brad was part of the company actually brad hired me initially (laughs) (laughs) so he knows very well yeah and and my trajectory is a little a little different uh when i first came to portland i got a job within a day of working for bridge pedal. Oh, wow. And then a few months later, I started working on another, I got an opportunity to work on another event called the Harvest Century. And then 
at the time I didn't know I was going to be working on these cycling events. I actually took a job with the Portland Jazz Festival. And then in the spring, I got offered a job to be a trainer for the Livestrong ride. And I had kind of dived into that, sold, oversold myself. It was like, <laughs> oh, I don't even own spandex. <laughs> but I had a road bike and I bought cleats and they gave me a kit. And we just started. I started, I watched a, as many um, videos I could find online and read a whole bunch of how to be a bicycle trainer. And, and then after nice. that, I was pretty, pretty hooked. And at the time, um, I then also started moonlighting for the company. I eventually became the general manager of Good Sport Promotion and worked on all those events. And I've pretty much been an event junkie since then, focusing on cycling, running, and outdoors. How do you think... Um the logistics have changed throughout the years of of <clears throat> sorry uh, of planning events. Um, has it gotten a lot more complicated? Is it pretty much the same? Or I'd say both. I actually think about this all the time and how technology plays such a big role in events. And I seriously wonder how event coordinators twenty twenty five years ago did anything without emails or mm. Google Google Drive spreadsheets, all of that stuff just everything in binders and paper and it's kind of overwhelming seeming to me even Mm. even in the short time that i've done just these cycling and running events here in portland um when i first started everything was on paper i feel like Mm -hmm. and in that short time just submitting permits or anything it's all done electronically yeah and you got the chance, so you both got the chance to sort of interact with, I guess, could we call it the old school of event planning? Sure. Yeah. So you you both experienced that transition there. Yeah, I definitely experienced, I, I will say this, I definitely experienced events when um, cell phones were limited and not everyone had one, but maybe a few key people did. Mm-hmm. And there were different communication ways of doing. And just to compliment what Tanya said, things are both simpler and more complex, so customer demands are more complex and you can do more and in part you can do more for a customer because the tools that you can use like different event technologies or you know having cell phones makes it easier to provide more services to a customer than it than it used to be Mm -hmm. um additionally i would also say that there are i was gonna say on the other side of that does that mean like customers tend to expect more from you guys yeah i would say in particular with running races people demand live results oh yeah they want photos instantly (laughs) they i mean anything that you would expect that is possible right they want and they're not realizing the costs associated with that (laughs) of course but it's i mean if it's possible people i feel like they've grown to expect that so and at the same time, there is more. There's also a trend for simpler events with uh-huh. mm-hmm. lower, uh, lower cost tickets. So, and a little bit. So it's it's also there's there's definitely that experience. And so customers and we're event customers too. We pay for events and do things. And you choose kind of the you choose part of the experience that you want to have at particular events, and that's part of the cost. You know, part of the producer's choice as well as part of the, mm-hmm. the customer choice. And there's a wide range of what that means and how people, you know, how people are our customer. And there's also just more events. People mm-hmm. are doing more. Oh, yeah. 
So, and speaking of events, I guess, in a sense, you mentioned simpler or, or, or like differences in complexities. Uh, you had the experience or, or the ability to be a very crucial part of what many folks here in Portland might not know, but but could consider sort of the genesis of group events, at least in terms of cycling in Portland. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, I like how you sewed that in there. That was, that was a good Yeah, so transition. when I... Years ago, when sort of um, when the idea of Petapalooza wasn't as fully formed as it is now, and mm-hmm. uh, the group shift was a bit different structurally than it is now, the idea of a group event or how that was organized was very free form, and very much there there wasn't much organization. There was barely a calendar. There was barely a website. It was a lot of word of mouth. There were handful of events and you know you had people had to work to sort of come to them and then be at the event and it was also up to each individual participant to you know be ready for Hmm. the event like they didn't know what to expect so i better maybe bring more stuff or be prepared or know where i'm going and know we might be going to this part of town so maybe i know the way to get home Mm -hmm. because this is way before there was as many established you know, bikeways in Portland mm-hmm. and... Or even mapping apps. Or you know, mapping yeah. apps. Yeah. Strava or, wasn't around in 96. <laughs> you know, we all had, you know, maybe, I mean, I think I still have it from years ago or, or maybe not, but, you know, a lot of people still had the paper version of the, like, Multnomah County bike map. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And Those things are great. I think they still publish, too. The I most think, recent I version they do, but, was, like, 2016 or so. Nice. You know, you kept... You kept that in your in your bag with you because, and more people would carry things like an extra tube with them mm. because, you know, you might find your, you know, your there was out, an Uber. Your there's bailout, no bailout options, right? So your bailout bit, options yeah. were yeah. far. So there's all these different little things, and that would, you know, there's something to be said about how fun and different that is, but there's also something to be said for what Petapalooza and sort of what today's version of a free form ride is and mm-hmm. how to be as a rider or as an organizer prepared and ready for it and manage manage that and real quick for our listeners could you explain uh, just briefly what pedal palooza is and what its relationship to shift is of course so <laughs> pedal palooza i don't i don't know where the name came from yeah I don't and know many, many of it. our listeners will know but if anyone's keen, <laughs> if anyone's keen in, and many many yeah. may know but uh years ago there was there was really only there wasn't really many kind of freeform group rides, and so somebody came up with the idea of like let's do a bunch of them in June, and then of course probably because of the Lollapalooza tour sure. and everything, like let's call it Pedalpalooza, and then Shift or Shift to Bikes as it was more formally known was a loosely formed group of people that were organizing these or the some of these rides throughout throughout the year and there was the midnight mystery ride which was a more regular monthly ride of let's lead ourselves somewhere and one person will know where we're going and then let's just all go there and visit unique places at night or a place that you might not be able that's not that you may not know about um and let's ride there and have fun and so and explore different parts of uh portland and 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 the city so all that that was the group that was organizing it i don't remember all of the mm-hmm. genesis of it but yeah. that was how it started and okay. then it built from there 
<laughs> Sorry, Aaron and I you're are looking at staring me like... each other down here. <laughs> you go. No, you go. You, you know a great place to stare somebody down, Aaron? Uh, where's that? Yes, this is a good transition. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's down in, in Southeast 12th and Division. Oh, you mean the beer mongers? I do mean the beer yes. mongers. Yes. <laughs> Which, incidentally, <laughs> did you guys end up having having to come here from the beer oh, no. mongers? Okay. No, I don't know why I thought that. Because we talk about it so much? I guess, maybe. It took I, us. Actually, little, this is one also, of the longer times that we've gotten around to talking about the beer mongers. But. It's also a little known fact that I am probably the worst, <clears throat> excuse me, the worst member of the beer mongers cyclocross Oh, you're on their cyclocross team? <laughs> nice. I am oh. always dead last in every race, but <laughs> I am a member. So, really? Yeah. Oh, that's great. How long ago did you join up? Uh, two years ago. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm terrible at cyclocross. And isn't the most but important thing that fun. you race? Yeah. No, it's still very fun. Yes. Anyway, sorry. I'm not trying to interrupt no, your they, ad. No, for, that's, a, that's right. The Beer Mongers is awesome. I think that's our ad. Yeah. <laughs> Join the Beer they, Mongers. They have, they have always had a great time. Like, I've been to their tent uh, for the cyclocross uh, events. I, they yeah, always for, have, like, a great time there. I'm in it for the beer. <laughs> and, and to be dead last. I yes. mean, it's it's great. It's fun. Indeed. Yes. So if you want to stare someone down or not stare someone down, head on over to Southeast 12th and Division. The Beer Mongers. Thank you for your support. Do it. So speaking of cyclocross, you mentioned you also do some triathlon racing. Yeah. I'm better. I feel like I'm much better at triathlon because it's a slow torture rather than a fast torture. (laughs) (laughs) And you don't have to get off your bike unless, you know, you're done riding it. Or, you know, you have to go to the bathroom. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's I'm I'm much more equipped for triathlon than Mm. um, the rigorous cyclocross mm-hmm. life yeah i'm i'm curious because you mentioned going to the bathroom what like <laughs> given your life experiences what percentage of people do you find actually do pee off their bike in a triathlon event oh like if gosh. you had to give it a number i don't you mean like while riding yeah you know oh my you know i've okay I'll, i've only done one i've done one full iron man which is the event where i feel like you would actually see that and i don't know that i saw that okay. i would say that the peeing might. I'm just occur. trying to sort My, sort truth from urban legend here. The peeing is definitely occurring in the water, and there's no there's yes. there's no way of telling how many. I would say 99 percent oh. in yeah. their wetsuit. Um, so if you're cold, go kind of in the middle of the pack. Yeah, right. but it's in your right. wetsuit. It's like just gonna like be contained there, it's right? Kinda, I mean. I pee in my wetsuit. Who does? Uh, sorry, but I've, I, I've never worn a wetsuit. So. I, I feel like peeing in a wetsuit is sort it's, of a universal like ha- truism. You have to do it yeah, <laughs> like who's going to go in to bug somebody at Pelican Brewing or whatever yeah. to use their restroom when no, you could no. just go in the wetsuit? You don't pee in the pool. It's okay to pee in the wetsuit. I mean, that's anyways. I don't. I don't think that I've ever seen someone pee off their bike. Okay. I don't. I don't recall. I have never even that. heard of this before. No, it's, no. So the reason I ask is that we, we do rent bikes uh, from the bike shop, which are often used for triathlons. And that's actually a what? question. Yeah. It's a, it's a question that comes oh. up like decently often uh, of somebody who's like kind of getting into it. Wait, from who? The customer? Yeah. Okay. Um, it, just like, people. As they're renting? Yeah, as they're renting? Exactly. Like, yeah. Well, not has somebody peed on this bike. Can I bike. pee on this bike? Well, 
<laughs> I guess like that's the second part of the question that's never asked. I always tell them, please don't. Uh, of course, but but just they're they're like it's interesting. So speaking of like getting into events, um, mm-hmm. because we do rentals, a lot of people who aren't as like fully committed to that, that's a really good option for somebody yeah. looking to get into no, it. Totally. And so naturally, these uh, rumor mills or such sort of spring up. Or people read something on a forum post here or there online. And so it's it's a pretty, like, I'd say, like, innocent question from people yeah. just getting into it. And I've never been able to give them a straight answer. So I'm just, <laughs> just kind of curious. The answer is 2% from elite <laughs> athletes who can't get off their bike to go to a porta potty. There you have it. Because it's a nice rest to get off your bike and go into a porta potty. What got you into triathlons? Um... Like I said earlier, I I grew up a runner and a swimmer, and when I got the job with Good Sport a few years back, um, being more involved with the cycling community, I realized that hey, this is kind of a natural fit for me. I I like cycling. Um, bikes are awesome, and I do pretty decently at these other two sports, so I should give this a try. Nice. It was good. Do you have any races coming up? Nope. Just playing it easy. It is. Definitely it is February after all. I lied. Yeah. I lied. I'm, I actually lied. I'm doing the Eugene Marathon, which is not a cycling event, but a running event. Nice. Yeah. So that should be good. Brad is maybe doing the Eugene Marathon. I'm. I'm. He's I'm had going. An injury. I've had an injury recently, yeah. oh, and it's really oh. interrupted my my training. Um, I this this could be my first marathon, which would be a lot of fun to complete however i've got to get myself a little healthier i'm definitely more of a cyclist mm-hmm. than a than a than a runner and i'm just not a racer not in it for the for the speed and glory i like to stop and smell the roses take some pictures of yeah the i imagine scenery. just finishing a marathon though is like pretty good yes know? definitely yeah. i mean there's there's no doubt that the marathon distance and however you've decided that you want to complete it will be a challenge whether you're really pushing yourself and your time and endurance or if you're just trying to complete it's 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 a similar it's it's a it's pretty mentally tough and and you've got to be in decent physical shape to get to get there but we'll see how i how i do you mentioned you also do a bit of bike touring as well yeah i <laughs> I got into self-supported bike touring just in the last year or so, which has been a lot That's of fun. That's the best kind. But I had, I'd been doing more supported touring, uh, multi-day rides. Been on Cycle Oregon six times. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah. And That's so, good. you know, and and doing, you know, being someone who does organized rides, I actually do other people's organized rides. So there's. Uh, some day aspect. Sometimes you travel and you make it a a weekend out of it. So, but that I'm I'm really a roadie at heart, and I just I enjoy a good amount of climbing, scenery, and and descents that you don't have to use your brakes on. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Are you? So you said you're you're more of a, a roadie. You don't do the whole like gravel off road much. Or... I, I mean, yes, but yeah. not in the sense of like I need. Uh, I'm looking to do right. I mean, yes, but I want to make sure I get, <laughs> I get distance and time. I don't, the mm-hmm. mountain biking experience to me is sure. not, I've, I've done it and I, I enjoyed it. It's, it's a lot of fun, but I also don't enjoy 
um, some as like just being sure. um, sort of just going downhill really fast is not my favorite part of bike riding. Right. But it's not like when you're planning out a, a long trip, you're not going to be like, okay, I'm going to do this much of road. And then I got to make sure that I get like some pieces of, of gravel in this or some like unimproved rough roads in here. It's just your bike. <laughs> well, I, I do need to get. The, you don't have the correct bike. For I do such need to get. Things. I do need to get more of a. I mean, I have a good road bike, and I have yep. a bike that's great if you're on maybe harder packed roads or roads uh-huh. that are um, that aren't paved, but you can certainly still ride on. However, I wouldn't say that I've totally joined the whole gravel revolution, right. if mm. you will. And I'm uh-huh. like, I'm just going to go do 50 miles of gravel and the state forest or national forest somewhere and call that my no my day i like i like a little mix but i don't don't think i could ever like be one of those that seeks it out that has to do specifically looking for you're right interesting well i I would just say this if you want to get to i mean i'm not some i've definitely done rides where you end up on some really unimproved roads or there's sections of gravel or just to connect you might be on a forest road or something where it 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 isn't much it's not it's not really paved right. it may have been paved at one point but it's not really paved it's and, marked paved on the map but it's not really yeah yeah and there's and there's a lot of there's a lot of great riding that is that way and hey i'm happy to walk up a half mile hill to enjoy a to enjoy a great view if it's just if the gravel's like just, old moody like have old moody you've been on old no. moody in the gorge what's old moody where tell is them old about moody? old moody brad uh old moody is this was one of our bike touring is uh trips if you want to avoid 84 on the on a section um that's just east where of like the Dallas. highway 30 sort of ends for a short period and i believe it's oregon 203 is close to there it's near uh-huh. so dallas Dal's heading out towards like tri-cities yeah, yeah and you're headed farther okay. you're headed farther east and so there's just there's a point where it's either 84 or it's this gravel road and it's it's a really i mean it's a, it's a really fun road but uh we were loaded up a little bit and you i think if you were on not if you were not packing any gear, you probably could ride up most of it, but mm. it's a good, I mean, it's 12, 13, 14% and it's not paved and it's wow. a lot of fun. And Hey, it's just one point. Yeah. You got to walk a couple hundred yards, but then, <laughs> then you're on the ridge line, And so, and that's all gravel and you're just riding on um, the ridge line, overlooking the gorge and with the river and everything. And it's, it's really great. And then, and then it drops you down uh, into a, Great little canyon area, also just east of the Dalles on your way back into town. I mean, it's beautiful riding. Just the idea of it's it's sort of I guess pick your poison, but just the idea of getting off of the highway for that section seems like it'd be worth it. Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say that you're going to save yourself any wind because you get up on the ridge line, and just, <laughs> right? Yeah. You could be blown sideways, and mm-hmm. we were a little bit, and you know, I. I enjoy a day where you're like, wow, that was just 45 miles of nothing but headwind today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, that those are the things we get to tell stories about and feel good about doing. And On uh, the Sprocket Podcast. On the Sprocket Podcast <laughs> and just devouring <laughs> so much food at the end of that because it just, you just, you're doing nothing but it, but working towards getting where you're going. 
There's no, there was no coasting whatsoever. How close does old Moody strike to the highway? Because I think from 84, you can sort of see some old cut throughs. Yeah. Is that what you're we're talking about or is it a bit, a bit further there's, away? Um, I think it's the Deschutes River. Okay. It, and there's the park there that's at the mouth, near the mouth of the Deschutes River that, mm-hmm. I think that's, yeah, that you connect with there. Okay. Nice. That's always a section, like growing up in Eastern Oregon and having family in the Portland area. Uh, as a kid, you just kind of like blanket out in your mind because you're like, oh, that's that huge section of like five hours that I'm just like not paying attention to or, or trying to like forget because we're on our way to the destination. Uh, but as someone older going through now, it's occurring to me like how much of the uh, I haven't even discovered, even though I've made so many trips between the two. So, yeah, very curious to check it out. You should. Yeah, I'd like to. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going. We're going on a bike trip tomorrow. I don't think we'll make it out to Old Moody, but we'll give it a really? try. Really, you're going out tomorrow? Yeah. Where are you going? Jane and I are going to make a shot out towards the coast. You guys are crazy. We're it's it's Fire too cold witch, for that. Firewitch highways. We'll probably do Highway Six. Okay. There's a campground which is Elk Creek, and it's always been kind of a bike through campground for us. I wanted to stop there probably 15 or 20 times and it's always that one place that you're like well i could stop here or i could go another x amount of time and be slightly closer to tillamook or such um so i think our plan is to head out on a leisurely pace provided the weather's not super shysty um and make a day of it in elk creek because it's occurred to me like we'll bring the books we'll like i'll probably attempt to strap some wood to the back of my bike like we'll just we'll have a go of it there um the campground i should check to see if it's closed but if it is <laughs> well don't tell anyone sprocket podcast uh, we we might just pack in and pack out but don't tell anyone it may or may not have happened before at another park it may or may <laughs> not yeah i think i blogged about that so it's it's probably uh cats out of the bag we uh, don't know right. anything about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah never never, I, never done that i need Dude. to see a photo of wood strapped to the back of your bike though because oh yeah that's pretty intense that's good it's well seasoned. It's been kicking around the back of our if, Honda if you want for my Bob a year trailer, now. You can have it. Oh, trailers are too hard. I, I'm just, I'm <laughs> really? Just, I as soon as it becomes trailersome, I just I feel like I lose all sense of momentum. I, I know some people are totally trailer people. I've yeah. I've done it a lot um, a while ago, and it just never really felt like that freedom that you get from having a like fully loaded touring bike just ripping down something i suppose there's a there's a bit of a tipping point for me okay if it gets to the point where you know um like it's a little too heavy in the back i like to have most of my weight actually in my front panniers yeah yeah um do you find that is true especially if you're touring light and it's it's more of just like the tent and maybe a couple of other things on the back of the bike yeah or do you still you tour full front back (laughs) I'm usually not good at touring light in general. Yeah. Um, even, for, even for like an overnight, <laughs> I'll at least have like both my panniers mm-hmm. in the front and mm-hmm. then in the back, like I'll have that Caradice bag completely full plus other things strapped to the Caradice bag as well. Nice. Even if I don't have the two back panniers. Mm-hmm. So I guess this is the, you know, since we've all done this a little bit, what is the thing that you um, perpetually overpack? <laughs> Last time it was a cast iron skillet, which I think I'm going to continue taking for. Yeah, that's kind of a must, though. That that seals the camp experience. (laughs) It's great for when you're cooking over a fire. Yes, Uh, but I've never I've never taken that before until this year. 
um, the thing that I always overpack, honestly, is just changes of clothes. Hmm. I'm like, oh, I might need this sweater. Well, it might get cold. I might need this sweater in addition to the other sweater that I got. Fluffy bulk. Yes. Okay. Yes. And a towel. Always bring a towel. I, right, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy rules. Always bring a towel. You cannot yeah, go see. wrong. Yes. Please feel free to insert as many and often Hitchhiker references as you please. Anybody. It's it's open open invitation. Um, I find that I typically overpack on camera equipment as it just oh, it yeah. just happens. You got a document. Well, it starts with like I've got a document and then partially through the ride it becomes I'm not taking this out of my bag as much as I thought I would. And then after that point, it becomes, wow, I'm really carrying a bunch of camera shit that I just haven't used yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, famously, on my first tour down to California, I made it to, I think it was Arcata, when I mailed back a six-pound six camera jib. Uh, I had bought this filmmaking device, which allows you to get some very like interesting low to high or high to low sweeping uh-huh. shots. Um, carried it all the way down through Oregon. And finally made it over the border before I was like, well, that's not happening. Have you, did you use it at least once? No. Did, no. <laughs> no. Not at all. That's why it went home. <laughs> that's why I got, it got the boot. Tanya, what's yours? Oh my goodness. Ugh. Probably excessive food and alcohol. That's. But at least you can consume those. Yeah. Yeah. No, the load gets lightened along the way, which is, you know, that's good. As you get more tired, the load is lightened. Spoonful of whiskey makes the ride go faster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about I, yourself, Brad? I'm a, uh, I want to go with water. I constantly bring. You overpack on water. I constantly ah. overpack on water, which is one of the heaviest things yeah. that, mm. that you can bring. But I don't, I don't know. It just, uh, you never know when you might be I, without. I it's, guess. Yeah, yeah. And I've definitely run out of water so. <laughs> <laughs> is it the fear of running out that compels you to pack more or is it it just like either way it boils down you're just overpacking you know it feels like you're overpacking like oh we're here and there's water so i'll just i'll f- fill up both my water bottles and the extra bladder i've got in the pennier or um see so you, you the fact that you bring an extra bladder for most trips like you're you're leagues ahead of me right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was gonna say I'll, i'm lucky if i have two water bottles yep. <laughs> Where usually, usually one has coffee in it. There mm. have been incidents, though. Well, we've okay. run out of water. Or so. we, we did a climb up Mount Lemon in outside of Tucson, mm-hmm. and you know we rented bikes and filled up two water bottles and borrowed a fanny pack thing and put two more water bottles in there. And eighteen miles of uphill later, yep. I had gone through. We had gone. We had gone through almost all of it. It was a sunny desert day and. What time of year? It it was late December. It was winter, but it was... um, No chance for water. But it's still dry out there. Yeah. Yeah. And And not used to the elevation Not used to whatsoever. You started about just over 2,000 feet, and um, you climb up to like eight in the desert. Yeah. Totally undertrained for that. (laughs) And sucking down water. Very thirsty. thirsty. So I just overpack... I don't know. I overpack on water and... um, Anything else I don't think other people will bring because I just sometimes think that other people don't. Tanya included, but also not always just. I just think that everybody else I'm traveling with will forget something. You like to have water. 
And I like to have water. Water's good to have. Water's good to have. I mean, if you're going to overpack on any, I feel like alcohol, food, and water, those are those are your three essentials <laughs> for bike touring right there. I mean, if you're going to overpack on something, and you might as well. And extra sweaters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you, can, you can forget a tent or, you know, a sleeping bag or anything like that. I have forgotten as long a tent as you got... before. We made I it through. I forgot a helmet once. That was oh, really good. The helmet's yeah. the tri- a tricky one, oh. too, because you, like, realistically, what's going to happen? But then in the back of your mind, you're like, well... This could go wrong. Yeah, can't I? I would feel very naked not riding with a helmet for an entire. I mean, I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I often no ride way. without a helmet around town, but around town, but not on a bike tour. Well, for yeah, me. no, no. Once, once I know I'm leaving town, I, I, if I'm not wearing it when I leave, I usually have it with me, like you know, on the handlebars or whatever. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, my, I almost go the complete opposite of that. I, I still wear my helmet both ways, but I feel like if I were to not, I'd rather be like plowed over at 60 or 70 miles an hour and just not worry about it <laughs> uh, as opposed to like having a mild Slow speed motion. collision. Yeah. Somewhere within the city. I feel like I feel like I'm more protective of myself here in town. I see. Wow. That might be a, a slightly new, like not shiny view of like cycle touring. But I mean, the, the yeah, it's like if you're going to get hit, you're going to get hit fast in a lot of places. So. I mean, it's, it's, it's Brad tough. Is, some, well, oh, it's yeah. tough sometimes because, you know, you know, you're out, you're riding up and you know, you've got, you're going over a mountain and you're doing like three miles an hour mm-hmm. and the sun is beating down on you. Uh, even on, yeah. even, One more thing containing all that like, heat even in. on a winter day and you're, it, you know, it's, it's like, well, you take it off your, you know, you're removing things that are uncomfortable. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Taking off your gloves, taking off your helmet, um, trying to be just, you just got to crank these things out for a few hours, so why not? Why not be a little yeah. more comfortable sometimes? Yeah, fair enough. I think it was my um, outdoor teacher back in college who drilled it very firmly into really? my head that helmets should be worn at all periods all of time. All periods. Yeah, it's interesting. I, every time I would go in for a shift with the outdoor uh, organization, he would make well. He would. He would. I. I. He would call it making fun. I would call it pointing out that. Uh, <laughs> I, I did not have a helmet. So I went like a year and a half in college of not, not wearing one. It was the freest period of my bike riding life. Uh, and then I kind of went back to wearing a helmet overall. Uh, Speaking of... We, I was oh, going to yeah. say, we've got a piece on that in our headlines. We do. About bike helmets. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Speaking, let's hear it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we could do our headlines. But first, we've got... I love, I love, I love, I love, I love. Don't don't ever use that. We will. All right. And every week. First up, second Thursday of every month is the Joyful Riders Club in Minneapolis. The second Friday of every month is the Boston Bike Party. The second Friday of every month as well in Indianapolis is the Indianapolis Bike Party. And you know, it's not on our calendar, but the second Friday of every month here in Portland is the Midnight Mystery Ride. That's true. Oh, uh, second. Oh, yeah, of every month. Yep, yep. Oh, I thought it was every Friday. Am I wrong? No. Okay. That is incorrect. Sorry. You might be thinking of the Thursday night ride, which is every Thursday. Which I do enjoy. Yes. Also, on not the second Sunday of every month. Oh, wait, just kidding. It is every second Sunday (laughs) of every month is the Corvidae Bike Club ride. Yes. And we'll have them on the show soon. We're excited. Next week. Oh, yeah. Uh, February 24th is the Menagerie in Motion Kinetic Derby in Gainesville, Florida. 
And on February 24th is the Not-So-Noisy Community Festival bike ride in Daytona Beach, Florida, including the Florida premiere of the film Why We Cycle. April 8th, Pedal Pursuit. And April 14th, the Lads 500. Yes. Where if you go... We want to talk to you. We will harass you for interviews. Politely, yet I insistently. Mean, yes. <laughs> On April 29th, we have the Monster Cookie Metric Century. May 19th, DC Bike Ride. And June 23rd, Petal Pedal. Yes. Where, uh, as the start of our series, you can receive $5 off by using code... Sprocket18. Similarly, on August 19th, we have the Portland Century, and on September 2nd, the Tour de Lab, all good with that sprocket code. September 22nd is the Lowell Kinetic Sculpture Race in Lowell, Massachusetts. Do you have anything to share about any events upcoming as as we're doing events on the calendar here? I would just like to chime in and say that... um... I was part of the group that won best costume last year at the That's Lads 500. Right. <laughs> Lady Firkins. Lady Merk. Wait, Merkins. did you say Firkins? I said Firkins. Firkin? Firkin is actually a thing that ho- that opens up a cask of, of beer or wine. Oh. It's like a hook. That's, That's also cool. terrible. <laughs> That's an awful misspoke. Well, no, it's all right. Merkins, Merkins are, uh, I don't think, very well known. I mean, do, do you all know what a Merkin is here? I don't know. I found out after Lads 500. Do you want yeah. to describe what a Merkin is? No, go ahead. <laughs> it's, so this Merkin, is all you. A Merkin is basically a toupee for the pubic region. And <laughs> and we all had costumes that were Merkins. Um, Someone I, had I, a slice of pizza. Yes. yes. That's yes. what that was. Yes. Okay. She had a pizza. The photos Merkin. a year past are suddenly making yeah. sense. Yeah. I of, had a loofah from... okay. as my Merkin. Um, there was someone with an elephant trunk That's right. as their Merkin. Um, and then <laughs> just a glittery Merkin. So, a Gherkin. Yeah, it was fun. Are you, and we all are you wore nude bodysuits. Yes. yes. Yeah. Are you riding this year? I would love to. I, I am hoping to. I hope to bring back Team Merkin with nice. Ashley. She's the one who nice. started that. So, yeah. And a tradition was born. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Any events, Brad, that we missed on there for, for just the moment? Uh, no, that's a great uh, list. I'm looking forward to also, participating also in Also, the many. Always Sunny Pedal Palooza ride, which was not on there, but I know you're not talking about Oh, do you pedals. guys organize that? I do. Oh, for real? Yeah. Oh, I'm going next year then. <laughs> have you been? I have never been. Oh, no, it's really fun. Is yeah. it after Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Of course. Yeah. Okay, just making sure. Yeah. <laughs> I started it in 2015? 2015. 2014? can't remember. And the it's ride, long. just like the show, ages like fine wine, getting better <laughs> exactly. every year. Oh. It does. Yeah. Anna and I affect it, affectionately call it the, the show where everyone yells. It's That's true. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> and that, yeah. that actually has a longer story behind it. But anyway. oh. <laughs> but yeah. For another Another time. Uh, upcoming film by bike fest, or f- not film by bike festivals, but film by bike tour dates. You want to go over them? Sure. Uh, Boise, Idaho, February 8th. Our House, Denmark, March 3rd. South by Southwest, Anoxus, Texas, March 9th through 12th. Copenhagen, March 10th. Albany, New York, July 22nd. Seattle, Washington, to be announced. Vancouver, similar. And Arcata, California, November of 2018. Wrapping up with Bendigo, Australia in October of 2018. Mm. 
And and you're going to all of these, right? Yes, something, of, of course. Are you going to play Goonbag when you're in Bendigo? <laughs> if there I were actually... a place to play that, Bendigo would likely ta- be that place. The people who taught me about Goonbag were actually from, from Bendigo. Bendigo. <laughs> so... Oh, man. Well, you That'd know who's getting a bag of wine like, somehow... from, from Film by Bike somehow? Yeah. We should we should, you, you we should try to, to send it. that you along with it. like whatever to Bendigo, Oregon. It's funny also. because the organizer of that ride, um, we had the great pleasure of them joining us in Portland a little bit earlier this year, and it's occurring to me there is now a missed opportunity where we could have played the wine. Wait, the Franzia ride? Wait, I'm sorry. Oh, who joined you? The organizer of the um, event for Filled by Bike in Bendigo. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, yes. gotcha. Okay. So, so missed opportunity yes. to play Slap the Bag. Okay. okay. <laughs> um. Yes. Sorry. And that. <laughs> and that. Right. that, and is that. <laughs> our calendar. <laughs> and now for. What can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? I like my bike. It's fast. I like my bike. It's fast. I like. I think I panicked a little and like hit that slider up like, too far. We rocked. It, it. was kind of loud. Sorry, everybody. Uh, anyways, this is kind of a headline, kind of a call to action here, and I don't have the marching drums to play behind this call to action. But film by bike is going to South by Southwest. We've talked about this before, but here's a little announcement from Aileen from Film by Bike. Film by Bike has an incredible opportunity to host an event at South by Southwest in Austin this March and share our love for bike culture and positivity. This is a chance for Film by Bike to spread the word about what we do worldwide to an audience of 72,000 relevant people. Film by Bike doesn't have the budget to cover this project and the money we make off our outreach efforts there will trickle in over the next three years. We almost decided not to go because of this, but then we decided that it was too good of an opportunity to pass up. That's where you, listeners, come in. I'd be honored if you would make a contribution to our campaign or what for whatever amount you're comfortable with, $15, $50 or more. Every little bit truly makes a difference, and I am so grateful for it. Thank you for your support of any kind. Thank you, Aileen. So this is from our festival director. Uh, when I was talking about going to all of these, I, I I'll <laughs> be really I'll are. be Portland yeah. bound for yeah. for for the vast I think most majority of these. But how events. great would it be if you could go to Bendigo mm-hmm. and play Slap the Bag? I would love to play Slap the Bag in Bendigo. Or I feel sorry, like if there were Goon a place, Goonbag, Goonbag, similar. I mean, same thing. <laughs> That's my my crummy American version of it. Oh, speaking of which, I figured out why I did the shitty British accent last week. Okay, we just finished Planet Earth. And that oh, that was my David Attenborough David slipping Attenborough. in. Wait, Planet or two? two? Yes, yes, yes. Great. Both are excellent. Yeah. Two was most recently watched. I've um, not seen two yet. <laughs> also, we Brad and I would Don't like to say, please me. support Film by Bike. Brad's Abs- Brad's had a big part of Film by Bike. Yes, for a while oh, yeah. absolutely. Well, so, yeah. absolutely, and uh, I'll be donating to the fund. Yes, do oh it. yeah, and People there's a link to the it. Kickstarter that we'll be posting on our website. Um, yeah. So thank you all in advance for doing that. And thank you, Aileen, for getting in contact with us. 
Absolutely. From the Washington Post, we have this simple solution to smartphone addiction is now used in over 600 U.S. schools. Uh, and the article goes on to say the effects are immediate. At first, people seem agitated and unsure of what to do with their hands, but then they adjust. In the line at the concession stand, you'll overhear people talking about the artist and the show, and then about the fact that they're having this conversation because they don't have phones, uh, Dagoni said. You'll see people fully engaged with each other, talking, and the, f- uh, the feel of it is radically different. Yes. So-, so this guy, he's also an event planner. Um, he came up with this... I don't know if you'd call it a device or a collection of devices. It's actually yeah. really simple. It's like a magne- RF-proof bag, basically. It's, yeah, it's but just a essentially one. neoprene bags yep. um, that people put their phones in. And it's really simple. I didn't go into the mechanics of, of how it works or, or how or why he did it. Because what really stuck to me about this article was the effects of it all. Is that, mm-hmm. like, you know... People are like kind of going through withdrawal, but then they have like that acceptance of it, and that mm-hmm. oh my gosh, we're engaging with people. And I wouldn't have done this, yeah, if I still had my phone. Have you, or either of you, run across this in terms of any events in Portland? Have you? I, I I'm trying to think. I haven't seen bags here in PDX yet, uh, but the concept is interesting. This is the first time I've ever heard of this, to uh, be honest. So I, (laughs) oh yeah. Well, it's definitely a trend, and and it half started with um, places that restricted phone usage. Yeah, they especially call out concerts and weddings. Mm -hmm. As and then it's a growing uh, partial response to, uh, well, there's a back, you know, in parts a backlash. People are like, well, you're here for the event, enjoy the event. So why have your phone out? The other thing is, is that event producers kind of can help choose your level of participation because mm-hmm. sometimes there is important things that you want to have as part of your device experience is, is a part of it. Uh, but it's up to, up to the event producer and, mm-hmm. to choose. It's a little bit of built-in marketing though. Oh, like branding the bags or such. Well, no, I'm saying people who have their phones, mm-hmm. they're, they're marketing it's free marketing for the event so I, gotcha you know you don't want to restrict i would say you don't necessarily want to restrict that usage and uh, part of it is marketing of saying this event is restrictive and people for you know, people that seek yeah, that out, are seeking Exclusivity. That out. No could I, <laughs> I know that we weren't going to go well we didn't we didn't expressly say this but we were we were avoiding the sci-fi topic could i go sci-fi for like just a second here a a future future topian sci-fi film would feature people basically like we were in the 60s or 70s but intentionally so and not because of addiction to our cell phones ah so in terms of a utopianism i was i guess i was just thinking about this like yesterday um like a a future sci-fi like quote unquote utopia where people are are less digitally connected mm -hmm. or or they're digitally connected to such an extreme extent that the exercise of disconnecting themselves from that experience provides them their source of humanity. Ah. I did too much somewhat not and or otherwise deep thinking on this the other day. This article really got me thinking. Ah. Do you watch Black Mirror? Yep. Oh. <laughs> well, I, I think that you're going to, you, I think we're going to definitely see more places in which people phone, you know, your device, whatever it is, is maybe it's not as, um, like force where you have to like 
remove it from people. Mm -hmm. Sure. But I think that, you know, knowing about some of the effect on like how people interact socially and more people, you know, especially younger generations who can have more, choose more of a balance that they will. Mm -hmm. And I think it'll become part of, you know, from an event experience and a life experience. Yeah. Like perhaps things will come somewhat again, full circle. Um, there's an interesting book, too, if anyone's curious. Uh, Last Child in the Woods sort of talks about the, the final generation to grow up without cell phones. Very interesting read. Oh, who's the author? Do you know? I don't recall off the top of my head, uh, but I could, I could get that for you. Okay. <laughs> Next cool. up from Streets Blog USA, we talked or touched a little bit about this in talking about bike helmets. Uh, this article is titled How America's Bike Helmet Fixation Upholds a Culture of, quote, Unfettered Automobility. It's not a coincidence that bicycling remains dangerous in our helmet-obsessed safety culture, according to University of Heidelberg professor Greg Culver. Emphasizing helmets as a singular solution to bike safety rather than designing streets for safer car speeds or better bike infrastructure upholds a political structure that favors Unfettered Automobility, Culver argues in an article published this month in the Journal of Applied Mobilities. It's interesting. It goes a little bit over, talks a little bit uh, about how he went about getting this, um, talked with, uh, or yeah, had analysis of uh, bike-related texts posted online by the planning departments of 25 U.S. cities um, and determined that American governments have, quote, exaggerated and arguably misplaced fixation with helmets. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. (laughs) (laughs) Any thoughts on the matter? I guess Uh, we already talked about it. I'm just going to plug my thoughts where I did a film my bike confessional booth on helmet wearing. Oh, yes, do tell. That addressed that tension between why... Why should it be dangerous to walk out of our homes in a variety of ways? And why should bicycling, you know, not in a racing sense, but in a neighborhood, get around town sense have to be associated with helmet wearing and or the, you know, only safety and danger and not be first about convenience and mobility and, you know, more integrated cities and Mm. landscapes I'm on this 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's I've always come to speed is the thing is is the main factor for injuries of of any kind and you know, if you're just at a neighborhood pace generally you're you're fairly safe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like to ride fast too. Um but in the meantime, it's it's the combined effects of like a car running at you at 25, 30 miles an hour plus, and you're going, you know, 12, 15, whatever miles an hour. Um, so it's a, it's a question of infrastructure. A helmet is really, I, in my opinion, not going to be your end-all, be-all solution of these mm. things. Interesting. I just... I, I'm having another. You want a thought. counterpoint to this? No, I no? don't even want a counterpoint. Please. I'm just wondering because it's a, it's a, it's a bit it, not a leap necessarily, but I wonder if there's been any studies on the rate of change between countries which have adopted universal healthcare programs and the rate of helmet ownership. Because I think that's one of the things that we 
subconsciously factor in in the U.S. is like, if I get hurt, then what happens? Oh. And so I'm wondering if that affects the that's, rate of helmet use. That's an interesting take. I never even thought of that. Yeah, that's where I was at. Huh. <laughs> um, yeah, a, I, I would have, I don't have the answer, yeah. uh, but I'd be curious about the results. Uh, next up, from Strava.com, not everyone has a Strava, but we now have a Strava club. Listener Sebastian Poole created a Sprocket Podcast Strava club. He says, not the official Sprocket Podcast club. Can we call it the official? I guess. Sebastian, you are now. (laughs) He says he just snagged this just in case the busy folks who toil on the show ever decide (laughs) to get around to doing this themselves. Who is this Sebastian? (laughs) Just just a a listener and supporter of the show. Yeah. Thank you, Sebastian. Thank you, Sebastian. His, by the way, his Strava, um, what little I've seen of it, is amazing. Um, as far as like, you know, how you can name your your, your trips rides, and yeah. your rides and stuff like that. It's it's pretty cool. Does he make designs? Have you seen that? Where you can make designs? I don't know if he does it. I've seen those though. Yeah. Yeah. We. I bet you we could plot out a Sprocket podcast route. Might be a bit. Oh weird. my gosh. That's a lot of riding. <laughs> I'm prepared. <laughs> From the Telegraph UK via Josh G, Saudi prince spends five hundred fifty-eight thousand pounds on a one-week lira. Lira. Oh, okay. On a one-week holiday. Apparently, they use the same symbol. Okay, so it's still it is a pound symbol. Yeah. All right, we're cool. Um, spends uh five hundred fifty-eight thousand lira on one a one-week holiday in Turkey. Um, the 62-year-old prince indulged a passion for cycling by flying 30 bicycles and riding around the coastal town escorted by dozens of bodyguards. What Josh G. Um, did not mention is that it's very hot in this location, and they all happen to be going in shorts and uh, Ooh, rock, rocking, sure. it rocking it out, man. Rocking yes. it pretty, uh, pretty mellow style there. Yeah, the actual article really... Is not that interesting like this. I mean, dude, other dude, than like dude spends money goes if, place. If you if you live in the localities of Turkey that he's that he's visiting, this is great for you because it's a real boost to your economy. But I really liked that there was just this one sentence paragraph here about how he indulged in cycling and he flew these bikes out to uh, or yeah, flew these bikes into Turkey to go riding with his bodyguards. It's a pretty cool photo. He's looking well, good, <laughs> looking fit. That's right. He's got his uh, phone in front of him, so he too could be a member yeah. of Sebastian's oh. and the the Sprocket Podcast's <laughs> Strava, Strava Club. <laughs> should should he want to post post up some roots from Turkey? Let us know how it goes. And uh, that wraps up our headlines well, for the day. We may not have a Turkish prince in our Strava Club, but yet. do you know what we yet? <laughs> do you know what we do have? We got mail. From listener and producer Brock, send some questions on car to go. Yes, he says, smart cars gone, tier. Lot of cars available, thinking, hmm, where are we going to put our wet bikes? And then he sends us a map of all the available car to goes that are not being reserved right at the time that he was. Oh, interesting. Uh, so his point was that there's over availability. There is over availability okay. because. Well, I may be connecting too many dots that aren't necessarily to be connected, but perhaps those of us who would normally ride and then take a car to go um, later on, 
are just riding because we can no longer mount our bikes to their new car to go. Because they took off the... They took the smart yep. cars with the mounts. Yeah. No. But they had well, such great acceleration. You could just throw them in the trunk. Who are we having but, this conversation with the other day? They're all now Mercedes and yes. fancy things. Mm-hmm. Fancy automobiles. Yeah. Anyway. Car, yes. car, their models totally changed. Yeah. Car share is sprucing up. Hmm. I don't I, know how I feel about that. I'm not. I'm not super into it. I've I've got some conflicted feelings myself. Yeah. I am a member of both Cardigo and uh, Reach Now, and I have many times used Reach Now's uh, their Clubman minis because you can just throw your bike right in the back there. You know, you mm. put the back seats down. Mm. Anyway, we yeah, should not we should... not using Cardigo as much. Yeah, as it's as interesting. I uh, I haven't used either. But I've seen a lot of, I feel like the reach has just kind of taken over Portland, at least in terms of stuff I've seen on the street. The reach nows? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I Like I said, I, I kind of haven't been using Cardigo as much now that I can't instantly mount my bike on there. Yeah. Hmm. Just toss it on the top of the Mercedes. You'll be fine. <laughs> just ghost ride it. Out the window. <laughs> just, just hold, hold on to it. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? You know, valid strap. <laughs> but it's it shows how really competitive. Oh yeah, you know the temporary trend, you know, temporary mm-hmm. car market really is. Yeah, I didn't even mention Zipcar. No, or or uh, what is it? Get around mm-hmm. or get uh, around? Yeah, yeah. I often mm-hmm. I often wonder how those two companies, especially, have been impacted by the reach now sort of car to go. They're rise to fame yeah because i don't really hear much about them but i i have seen zip cars around i feel like still. i feel like rideshare too has definitely I, I feel like it must have cut into that at some point in time i'm not sure the like extent. Lyft and uber yeah in terms really? of choices that people make when transiting i guess yeah. um so like if you don't want to pony up for your own vehicle you could get maybe a shorter mid-distance trip i'm, I'm not quite sure it'd be interesting to see if there was a correlation yeah. From Mac Nurse David, we have from the Just Take My Money Already file found at a local bike shop. And we don't have a photo for you if you're listening to this with your ears, but we will have a photo of this <laughs> yes, on our blog. on our website. But this is a water bottle Ooh. with stormtroopers, Imperial stormtroopers riding road Where's bikes. Where's that from? Um, he just says his local bike shop. Oh. He didn't say which one. He's keeping it, but I know I know he lives here, so it's a bike shop. Ooh. Here in Portland. Can we which one? Can we just say the uh, black water bottles are really hard to tell when you let them get moldy? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> good point. It's a black water. Are, bottle. are you saying you have to go by taste? <laughs> I'm. I'm just saying. I've. I think we're all we're all in the same boat. Occasionally, you've left something in your water bottle, and then has, it went moldy. And has your overpacking of water on trips affected your <laughs> opinion on moldy or black water bottles? No, because on when you're on trips, you're going through water all the time. You're it's, ah. it's cleaning oh, okay. it out. I'm saying, you know, you might not clean it out as good. Or there was a time where I had a water bottle that the water just sat in it, mm-hmm. you know, cause it was on my commuter bike and, you know, you're going back and forth, not necessarily thinking about it and you're taking sips out of it here and there, mm-hmm. fill it up when you eventually empty it. And there was one time just last week I was taking a sip and I was like, this water tastes funny. Hmm. Open it up and there's a, a little Ooh. layer of something. Is it? I, I hope Ooh. it's not like too much info that I shouldn't share broadly, but I, I've totally <laughs> yeah. gone like, almost like a half decade without 
cleaning Nalgene's before. Really? And they are cleaned now. Thank you, Jane, for instilling this wonderful <laughs> habit of cleaning my water bottles. Uh, I too clean them myself now. Uh, like what did you do before? Just like kind of just drink it, swish it. And, oh no, you just yeah. <laughs> it's uh. You, but you it, never put electrolyte or anything. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah, and emergency. Stuff? Like yeah, no joke. So like it, it gets a it gets a bit of a crust going on, but then like in the back of your head, you're like, well, this is just making me stronger for for drinking all of this bacteria all the time. <laughs> and, Wait a second, you're the only one at this table without getting strep throat though this right? is true so. but i also have stopped doing that so there may still be a, a decent correlation here i did get sick often uh back during that period so maybe 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 it is true maybe you should actually wash your your, your water bottles hmm. I'm, I'm getting over towards the brad camp here i'm just saying the black water bottle you just can't like if it's in the cupboard for a while or something you can't just look in and be that's clean yeah <laughs> the clear ones are a lot easier when you've yes. accidentally left not even maybe you washed it and you screwed it the top dry, on yeah. and it didn't dry and then like i don't know like everyone else like i have like 12 water bottles so it's not like they're not, yeah they're, they're not all in rotation all the time they're in rotation yeah. especially in the winter now they're not in heavy rotation like they are in the summer so you know i'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> uh this also comes from mac nurse david he says i hope the red hair among horses my bicycle isn't territorial uh, he just got a new bike, and he sends a picture, and he also sends, here's how I got it home. That's a nice setup, using using the tried and true technique of so, strapping to separate bike. bikes. That is a Surly Disc Trucker, same Ooh. make and model as mine. From Superfan Aqua, we received a rating. She gave us five stars. Thank you, Aqua. Yes. And uh, Aqua was on our show just a little bit ago. Hello. Yay. And Josh also, Josh G um also gave us five stars and he also reviewed our patch. Ooh. <laughs> this says, is the this is the meat and potatoes of the review. Yes. He says five stars, but I tried to use my sprocket patch and my tube still leaked. <laughs> <laughs> Needs feathered edges. We're working on the waterproof versions of our sprocket patch. Our soon- vulcanized yep. <laughs> sprocket patch. As soon as we figure out how to get that to really stick to a tube, we'll send another one over your way, Josh. <laughs> and speaking of patches, this came to us from Sean in St. Louis, at least in St. Louis for a little while longer. He says, hey, guys, thanks for the shout out on your catch up episode. Catch up, not catch up. <clears throat> and Thank you. And thanks for sending the stickers and patches along. The patch made it onto my handlebar bag. Also worth noting, I'm definitely in the dynamo headlight camp. I understand the idea of flashing lights to attract drivers' attention, but I'm also a big fan of avoiding sticks, potholes, etc. And you mentioned Guthrie, like you the, never really thought I of it. I never that way. thought yeah. of that element. Me neither. That's like a ever. really interesting take on it. Yeah, and I and what I was saying in my email is like on that merit alone. I think the argument is over. Would you rather no more flashing lights? Would you rather see something that's going to cause you to crash, or would you rather have a flashing head? Like, I guess you could kind of trade. Like, if you if you feel that you could argue that flashing makes you safer from a vehicular injury standpoint, um, but I'd rather see the surface of the road ten times out of ten. Yeah, Tanya's nodding yeah. her head. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, thoughts I, i'm generally against uh excessive flashing, yeah, flashing. because when you especially when you're riding the city Sorry. and there's a lot of signs that are reflective or different things mere, you know even just windows and whatnot mm-hmm. i find some people's um 
some people's flashing lights or I feel like I'm going to crash, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, because uh, of the flash, because of the flash. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think there's a balance between mm-hmm. the sort of be seen lights mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and the amount of flashing and what, what, you know, what, yeah, we've teased yeah, out all of these really nice and intricate nuances. And so as this one came up, we've been getting a lot of great feedback on this topic. Um, and please continue to share your opinions. I, I just like, seeing the road like it's just it's right like it's so simple it seems like seems like that's it, that's the end of the argument for you huh? I, I i've made up my mind has, has, has anyone recommended but, having two headlights one that's constantly on and the other that i think someone struggling. has come out and said oh, like okay. yeah i got two headlights a little bit of both and, yeah yeah one listener has also used a uh flashlight as a replacement for a bike light because the bike lights kept failing yes this this conversation has made me want to make a bumper sticker or a slogan that just says, uh, "Flashing lights are for disco floors, <laughs> or, or for dance floors." Like, and every time, so c- and then a little the- graphic of like a bike with the like light beam shining like down, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to the lines exactly. that indicate that it's flashing. Like like something something like polite yet off the cuff that you can like mention to people in your life. Hey, you going to a disco? Oh, it reminds what's me. Up? It, it, it reminds me of the. Uh, there's a like just a one slide in the film by bike festival. Oh, that comes up like as you're waiting for the films to start. Like the it'll have motions. like the sponsors and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Why raise a question? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And this Get is in reference it. to the vehicle um, turn sort of dialect in that uh, left hand upraised is a right turn in a vehicle where the point is relatively mute on a bike because you can literally just point to where you want to go right so interesting and it's a carryover yeah from like being in a car or being in a carriage yeah (laughs) on that topic it was interesting because that slide has been in the program for Oh, probably like seven or eight years or so at this point. And it's only been in the last two years that people have really started to notice it. Like that's oh, an really? actual conversation that people will have <laughs> in the theater. So the word is taking a while, but it's getting out there. There was one showing. It was like the second showing on the Friday, the first the first night of opening. And so like the party had been going all for a while. And so I think a lot of people, you know, had a few of us uh, or had a few drinks in us. And, and that came up and there was a, bunch of applause <laughs> in the theater <laughs> and anna turned to me and was like is that really that big of an issue i was like i don't know oh yes <laughs> it's it's one of the the pillars of issues within our modern times i don't know i see i see that signal in oh, both ways on a daily time, basis yeah. though it's just I don't know. I, I, I point personally. I raise my hand as a, raise a oh. question. <laughs> you do proudly, but excellent. No, you and without don't. apology. You don't. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not saying. I don't, I don't think anyone knows what that means anymore. I'm though. not saying I don't. Sometimes, you know, if I'm leading groups or other people, I don't want to necessarily. I'll do both. Yeah. But I. I mean, both are acceptable and legal. As one far is as... even arguably more legal than another. It, oh, from, from an actual legal from a, standpoint, from a DMV yeah. standpoint, yeah, yeah absolutely, is, is, it's a bit of I a guess. quandary, isn't it? Hmm. Well, send your opinions to <laughs> thesprocketpodcast at gmail dot com. Um, Sean also mentions that we had talked about him finding a sticker on the Trans Am route, mm-hmm. and that was in Twin Bridges, Montana, and he sent us a picture of that as well. 
where he found the old school sprocket sticker. Um, and then he also sent us a picture of his workbench with the old school sprocket sticker on it as well. So yeah, that's, that's how long he's been listening. Thank you so much, Sean. And I'm sure you're listening cause you enjoy it. Not cause you used to be my housemate. <laughs> <laughs> Todd G also sent us some more art. He's, Todd says, thank you for, thank you all for producing such a wonderful, wonderful show. You all put Ira Glass on notice. Yeah. And he sent us this cool little, like, it looks like a watercolor anyways. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. Awesome. Very nice. And lastly, we got a couple of reviews um, from iTunes, both five stars. One says, thank you. This is from Kelly underscore three, three, zero says the the podcast is an instant mood booster, and I'm so grateful that it's a part of my life. Smiley face. Thank you, Kelly. And also from or Mac P, uh, easy going and fun conversation with two co-hosts and regular guests about cycling, transit, and culture. Brock and Aaron record the show. And Guthrie. Hello. <laughs> from an Airstream trailer in Portland, Oregon, but the stories and advice travel well and will entertain no matter where you live. Most shows end with a calendar of cycling events and news happening across the country, which is what we're doing right now. Yay. Thank you for writing in. And Ooh, that's that's a wrap. <laughs> and we can actually say that because if you have been listening to the show and you've noticed some interesting and or odd sounds. Yeah, I'm wondering how much of that got picked up. By I hope. I, I sincerely hope actually like 100% of it was picked up. There's a bunch of hooligans pounding on a truck out there and oh, yes. throwing smoke bombs and so as many of you know, um, Open Signal is a part, a very large part of our operations here and our ability to do our podcast in the Airstream studio. Um, there is a movie set happening outside of the podcast right now. So yeah, they're filming. Uh, congratulations. You're both also kind of on a movie or in a movie. <laughs> so stoked. <laughs> very excited. I'm not sure when it comes out, but we'll, we'll, we'll have to see here. Can you not wait to see the back of your heads through the window? If I didn't feel film? famous enough being on this podcast now. 50 years from now, we will look back on this moment and remember the time that we had the back of our heads in the movie at the Sparkle Podcast. Yay. All right. You ready, Guthrie? Let's do it. The Sprocket Podcast is produced at StreamPDX Community Audio Studio. Thanks to generous support of Open Signal. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text 503-847-9774. Twitter and Instagram at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Herbert for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to sustaining donors Logan Smith, Shadowfoot, Katharina Melamgard. Wayne Norman, Doug Robertson, Ethan Georgie. Justin Martin, Eric Iverson, Cameron Lee. Richard Witsensky, Tim Mooney, Glenn Kubish. Matt Kelly, Eric Wise, Todd Parker. Dan Gebhardt, who's, who's a, a time, time traveler. traveler. Dave Knows, Chris Smith, Christy Kaster, Caleb Jenkinson, J.P. Cooley, Peanut Butter Jar Matt, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom, Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder, Anna, I'll be home soon, John Wasserman, Andre Johnson, King of Division, Josh Zissen, Richard G., Guthrie Straw, who's sitting right next to me. Hello. 
Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of The Regranary. Campsite, Magners David, who will be riding with us in the Lads 500, Nathan Poulton. Chris Rossin, Roy in, Mich- Roy in Michigan, Michael Florney. Jeremy Kitchen, David Belay, Tim Coleman. Mr. T, Harry Hugel, EJ Finneran. Brad Hipwell, Thomas Skato, Keith Hutchinson. Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam. Derek Wagner, Jason Oftenberg, Microcosm Publishing. David Moore, Todd Grossbeck. Thanks for the art. Chris Barron, Chris Barron. Chris, Chris Barron. Barron Sean Baird Simon Gregory Braithwaite Ryan Morrow Jimmy Diesel And Dude Luna Matthew Rooks And to all of our former donors who helped us get this far Now brush your teeth And go to bed <laughs>